0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. So just a little bit of a background. I know the last time I taught, it was in the book of 1 John, and it was chapter 1. And I didn't feel like I really covered the meat of the second half of chapter 1. I felt rushed and I felt like uh, there was a lot of stuff that the Holy Spirit wanted me to talk about. But the time, as you always know, when you study for a message, you have tons of notes, then you've got to cut out the notes, You gotta then you've got to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and tell you what to speak upon. Because it's easy for somebody to come up here, it's easy for pastors to put their outlines together, put their notes together. But most of all, I want to be prepared as far as being in His Word, being saturated by His Holy Spirit throughout the week. I just don't want to come over here and just wing it, right? That doesn't bless the Lord. It doesn't bless you, and I feel fake. Those don't, don't uh, believers, don't. Sometimes we walk in this life and, and things are happening in our lives, and, and it feels like you're not being real to yourself, being real to God about the circumstances, about the situations that we go through. So, I pray, as we go through this, that you will fall more in love with Jesus, and that, as we fall more in love with Jesus, that we would learn how to love one another, learn how to love while we 're out there in the world, at our workplace, with our families, people that are heart of the love right so it 's very important so just before we get into the scriptures, I just want to give you a little bit of a background because. Every time when I sit on our teaching I always want to hear what is going on in this time that what, what are you telling me like what is the scriptures telling us about not my life now but what's happening why is he writing this letter so the apostle John is the writer of this letter so the same John that wrote the gospel of John 1st 2nd 3rd John and Revelation he was the youngest of Jesus disciples from what church you know bible scholars have told us he was probably in his late late teens early 20s so he is right now as he's writing this letter everybody else of the apostles have passed away they've been martyred john's the only living apostle at this time while he's writing this letter and he's probably around 80 years old 80 90 you know we could debate all that stuff but he wrote this letter And he's writing this letter to a specific church of what's going on in that church. And what is happening in this church is there's a form of teaching of false heresy coming into this church that was teaching them that Jesus never existed. And if Jesus never came and lived down here on earth amongst us, then it gave them a license to sin because they said that the body is evil matter is evil and the spirit is good and we want to release that spirit and that gave them the license to go out and do whatever they wanted to do to sin sin is falling short of what god's perfection is all about we've all sinned we're born into sin that is the curse right we are sinners and we need a savior So most scholars agree that the author is John the Apostle, also the author of the Gospel, as well as Revelation. 1 John was written to a specific church at a specific time in a specific situation. Try to say that three times. So John addresses a situation in the church where a form of false teaching was being taught that denied Jesus' incarnation, denied his humanity. And that is the main thing John wants to let these people know, If you deny Jesus, Jesus is it. If you deny Jesus, everything else is on sinking sand, right? Our whole faith is upon a man. The Bible is about a man. We're here because of a man. We're not here to play church. We're not here to come to church. We're here to worship God. Because of Jesus, he's able to bring us to the Father. So therefore, the you. And this is what these people thought. The human body would be seen as evil. And from their perspective, the goal of life was to release the spirit from our bodies. To release this good thing that's in their bodies, the spirit. And this special knowledge can only be accomplished by special knowledge, special revelation that certain people in the church were getting. And, and John is saying, you know what, you guys are messed up. You guys are messed up. You've lost the point. In Revelation, he writes to the church in Ephesus, guys, you have, you have lost your first love. You've walked away from Jesus. Everything else you're trying to accomplish, which is all good, attending church, fellowship, all this stuff that we do here as a church, without the love that we have for Jesus, all is for nothing. Amen. And he's telling them, you guys have lost it. John is reminding this church of what he and they have seen, he and the other apostles, the other disciples, while Jesus was here on earth. He had to remind them. He says, in First John chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Which we have heard, which we have seen, with our eyes which we looked at, and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, who is Jesus. He's telling me, you guys have lost it. You think Jesus was just a spirit? No. I walked with Jesus. Could you imagine the stories he's telling to his disciples? Guys, you guys are crazy. I walked with Jesus. Jesus was a spirit. I lived with him. I saw him feed the 5,000, the 6,000. I saw him perform miracle after miracle. I saw him bring people back to life. I saw him forgive the sinners. Guys, you've lost it. Jesus wasn't some phantom spirit. And he's reminding them of the times he spoke and directed and protected them while Jesus was here on earth walking with them. Isn't that amazing? John remembers his time with Jesus. We need to be reminded of our time with Jesus. When you're down and things aren't going well, you need to be reminded that you are saved by Jesus. You belong to Jesus. That Jesus loves you regardless of the circumstance, the situation you're in that you can't not control. You are his. And John is telling them this. John declares the message that had been given to all of them, all the apostles, all the disciples that walked with Jesus. Who had experienced Jesus, right? And through, this is the message. I want you guys to catch this because... This is what the world needs. This is the message that John is telling them. John declares the message that had been given to all of them who had experienced Jesus. Here's the message. Get ready. This will blow your socks. And you should know this already. Through Jesus' blood, a new kind of relationship had begun between God and them and God and us. Through his blood. Through the blood of Jesus. Listen, through the blood of Jesus, we have been set free from sin. You have been set free. The Bible tells us sin has no power over us, only the power that we allow it to have. When temptations come our way, he always has a way out for you. Always. We make excuses to go into those sins and to sin. Because what? Because our our flesh loves it. Because we want to do it. It satisfies the flesh temporarily, but... You've sinned. We've sinned. The blood of Jesus. We are set free from sin. We still sin and mess up, right? Who sinned this week and messed up this week? Okay, those who have not been raised. You just messed up. We still sin and mess up, guys. Church, we still sin and mess up. But we have the assurance that we can be forgiven. We have the assurance. The word of God tells us that. It's important to understand Jesus' role as our advocate. We're going to see that as we go through our teaching in this morning. Our advocate. He's on your side. He's on my side. Because he took human form. That's why John is writing this letter to these guys. Without Jesus being born and living on the earth, he couldn't be a sacrifice for us. A man had to shed his blood for us to have a relationship with the Father. It's important for us to understand the role of Jesus. He's on our side because he took on human form. Listen, he understands the temptations. How many of us have been tempted this week? You know, I'm at work, and I work. I I supervise a certain area at my position, and I deal with customers. Not only do I deal with customers, I have to deal with the sales staff. Not only that, I don't deal with the sales staff. I have to oversee one of the stores. And so I, I, I... I get tempted every single day when I go to work. I get tempted by the employees, get tempted by the customers, and my temptation is, you know, just to act out in the flesh, but I just have to, you have to, I have to remind myself I belong to God and I have to represent Him well. It's hard, but it's doable because His Holy Spirit is with us. So Jesus understands our temptations and our hard times that we go through. As we repent and begin to obey his commands, the Father restores us with his love. Isn't that amazing? No matter how much messed up you are, no matter how you just blow it this week, Jesus, our advocate, is there with the Father interceding in our behalf. Listen, the Father restores us with his love. Not only does he restore you and I to his love, he then fills us with his love that we can love others. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? I'm just blown away by the book of First John. You can read it in like 15 minutes because I try to make it a goal before I taught this to read it every single day day and night just to be saturated by his word it is awesome so what i what i said is as we go through the slides and i know you know we've been having some technical difficulties here that's just supposed to be the slide but you're going to see everything else so through our powerpoint as we go through some of the words you're not going to be able to see but i'm going to reference it through the teaching right so like i said calling on jesus first john chapter two verse one and two so the next slide is going to see that some of the definition I want to cover, these words are going to be throughout the scriptures as we read this morning. You're going to look, uh, John's going to talk about light. He's going to talk about darkness, fellowship, sin, advocate, propitiation. Try to say that. Okay, say it with me, propitiation. Propitiation. Now, I don't know about you, when I look at a word and I don't understand it, I just want to break everything down. What is this word? In the NIV, if you have an NIV translation, it says atoning sacrifice instead of propitiation, right? Okay, if we go to the next slide, I want to define this word before we actually get into the scripture. That way we have a solid understanding of what this word is all about. Propitiation, who's heard of that word? Okay, we've heard it through the Bible, it's in there a few times. So the word propitiation, which is atoning sacrifice, is hilasmos in the Greek. Helosmos Helosmos in the Greek, okay? So the word propitiation, hilasmos, carries the basic idea of appeasement or satisfaction, specifically towards God. And towards others who have offended you, right? So propitiation is a two-part act that involves appeasing the wrath of God. Not only appeasing or satisfying the wrath of God, but being reconciled to him. So appeasing God is something many religions have in common. If you read through the Bible, the Old Testament, you can see the many different uh, nations that Israel were conquering. They had these gods, and they would appease them or make propitiation to them because they want to satisfy their god and that was a sinful thing to do because there is only one true god they were doing this so that they could have favor with their false god so they can conquer the other nations but god used israel to come in and clean these nations out because of their false view of what was going on so they were sacrificing if you read you know the old testament is full of stories full of what we see happened before jesus came here on earth and it's a you know it's like watching uh, it's it's very graphic you know you had nations appeasing their false god by sacrificing children That's right, S- right? Yeah. by sacrificing something so, appeasing God is something many religions have in common. Listen, in ancient pagan religions, as well as in many religions today, the idea is taught that man, us, you and I, appeases God by offering various gifts and sacrifices. There are some religions today that do that. They want to have favor with God, so they do the works to appease them to have favor. Thank God. That is not us. That is not something Jesus requires of us. However, the Bible teaches that God himself, now listen to this, God himself has provided the only means through which his wrath can be appeased and sinful man can be reconciled to him. We don't have to come and offer uh, propitiation or appeasement to God because ours is, we're sinful people. We don't have the means to do that. So God offered up his his, uh, his only way. In the New Testament, the act of propitiation always refers to the work of God and not to the sacrifices or gifts offered by man. Don't we thank God for that? That we don't have to work out our salvation. We don't have to, uh, you know, come into church, reading your Bible, praying, fellowshipping, everything, doing everything good. All those things don't really matter. It's the result of you being saved by Jesus, that he changes you from the inside out. Amen. We don't have to bring those things to God to say, oh, I did this for you, God, now you're going to love me more. Now you're pleasing with me. No. God's already done that. The reason for this is the man is totally incapable of satisfying God's justice except by spending eternity in hell. That's what you and I deserve, right, because, because of sin that's what we deserve there's no service listen to this there's no service no sacrifice no gift that a man can offer that will appease or satisfy the holy wrath of god god is holy god is righteous and god requires a payment for sin what are you bringing to him for that payment your good works your good looks your your good anything doesn't satisfy the wrath of god there's only one thing Only one person, Jesus. He is the only one that can satisfy that. Jesus is the only satisfaction or propitiation that could be acceptable to God. And that could reconcile, bring us back to God, to him. Reconcile man to him had to be made by God the Father. For this reason, God sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus came into the world in human flesh like you and I. He had to come in human form like you and I. He was the perfect sacrifice for sin to make atonement, the propitiation for the sins of the people, in Hebrews 2.17 says, tells us. So this word propitiation is used uh, in several verses to explain what Jesus accomplished through his death on the cross. Okay, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. In Hebrews 2.17 it says this, Therefore, Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Romans three, twenty-four 24, 25 says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That was to show God's righteousness because... In his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So we can see that propitiation was what God the Father required for us to have a relationship with him because there is no other way that we can come to him except through his son, Jesus Christ. So if you go to the slide, all have sin and, not and need propitiation. should be the next one. Okay, and the Bible tells us that all have sin and need propitiation, right? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men, who by their own who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Romans three twenty three tells us for all you and I, for all the world has sinned and fall short of God's glory. In first John four ten it says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Are you getting the definition of what propitiation is all about? Are you getting it? And i will give you more. <laughs> Jesus, the next one, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only propitiation. He's the only way to come to the Father. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, not through your good works, not through some... Uh, not through some special knowledge, not through whatever it is, but Jesus, that's the only way you come through. He is the only propitiation. Romans 2.5 says, But because of your hand and impen- impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. So every living person on earth right now is storing up wrath because of sin. We sin daily. We sin with our actions, we sin with our mind, we sin with our flesh. We have sins of the heart, prideful, arrogance, you name it. I've had it, you've had it. And if we try to deny it, we lie to ourselves and we make God a liar. So the next one is, the next slide says, This is the message which we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light. God is light. So in the first three chapters of Romans, Paul makes the argument that everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, is under the condemnation of God and deserving of his wrath, right? Because God is going to judge sin. God is going to judge sin. It may not be today. For us as believers, we get to come to God and say, confess our sins. And he's able to cleanse us. So everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23 tells us. All of us deserve his wrath and punishment. God in his infinite grace and mercy has provided a way that his wrath can be appeased or satisfied and we can be reconciled to him. That way is through the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the payment. Listen to this. Jesus is the payment for our sins. It is through faith in Jesus Christ as God's perfect sacrifice that we can be reconciled to God, deserving reconciled to God. It is only because of Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection... On the third day, that a lost sinner deserving of hell, you and I deserving of hell, right, right can be reconciled to a holy God. Because God is holy, guys. Brothers and sisters, God is holy. The wonderful truth of the gospel is that Christians are saved from God's wrath and reconciled back to God. And like we read in 1 John four ten, it says, because, why? Because God loved us he loved you and i no one goes and searches for god that doesn't happen you think you do but god comes and finds you god comes and finds you i can tell you about my experience in the past where we were in arizona it was like three years before we moved out to california we got married we had my daughter god was starting to pursue us you know as you, as a child I, I was raised up in church it was a samoan church and it was very religious very strict so and then it, I've heard, I heard the gospel back then, but it never, never clicked with me because it was religion. And then in my testimony, God started pursuing me in Arizona, how he brought us out from Arizona to California to be one of my best friends growing up in high school, and he invited me to the church. I show, and I know you guys, if you've been here at our church, you've heard me give this, but I don't care, I'm going to give it to you a thousand times. <laughs> because God is good, and he's good in my life. So we moved out to California in January 2000 is where God saved me. But before that, he used a Jehovah Witness to come to our house, our little apartment off of Mill Street in Tempe, Arizona, to study the Bible with me. And I don't know what my wife was thinking. She was probably thinking, what is this guy doing? You know, we work opposite shifts, and he would come in the afternoons, and my daughter was I would give her some chicken McNuggets and she would be over there doing it. And I would, this guy was telling me about the Bible and we were studying. And God prepared my heart for it. He prepared my heart for that. Moved us out to California, to Oceanside, California. Went into the church. My best friend invited me. And I heard the gospel. I didn't hear the message. I heard the gospel. I don't know what the message was about. The Holy Spirit had already. Prep my heart those previous years i came in there at the end of service he just said so who needs jesus go ahead and raise your hand up hey. just like pastor ben does here and i go man that's me i'm so lost i was 30 years old you know when you think of, when you when you're uh, 30 years old you think you know it all about everything but you're really lost And so I was lost in that church, but God found me. I didn't go looking for God. He orchestrated the circumstances in my life to be out there in that moment. What has he done with, you know, think about your conversion. Think about your transformation. Think when God came to you. You didn't go looking for God. God aligned things in your life for him to come to save you. And that's how good this father is. You may be here in church and you're not hearing a thing I say. But the Holy Spirit has prepped you over and over and over again, telling you, you need me. It's by no accident that you are in this building listening to this word, listening to the word of God. God is pursuing you, right? God is pursuing you. If you're lost this morning, you don't have Jesus, God is after you. God is pursuing you. Jesus is the only way. He is the only propitiation that we have. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So God saved me in that church in California. A few years later, he was preparing me for ministry, in-depth Bible studies, going to Calvary Chapel, of Vista, going, you know, doing their study classes. We didn't know he, I didn't know what he was doing. He was preparing me. He moved me out here into the wilderness. <laughs> He moved me to Lubbock, Texas. Out of all the places. It wasn't in my plans. Uh uh-uh. uh. Hawaii. Uh huh. Yeah, I can see myself out there. Costa Rica. Oh, yes. A friend of mine from uh, the Bible college had gone down there, started a church. And uh, he said, You should come out here, so Man, I'm starting this thing, and it, it, people are getting saved, things are moving. And then uh, my brother, he was out in ministry in Hawaii. He, he calls me, "Yeah, you guys should come out here, you know? Yeah, God's doing great work over here." And then my parents were in American Samoa. My father had retired from the military, and they were at, went back home. And my dad, my mom, just a backstory. My mom had always prayed for his kids to for them to go in the ministry. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I'm in ministry, my brother's in ministry (laughs) he's in Seattle ministering up there that's God's plan, he's pursuing you because he has a purpose for you he has a purpose for you and his purpose are perfect okay, with that as an introduction, do we know what propitiation is? Yes. Do we have it in, in back? Do, intellectually, do we know about it? I want to make sure that you know about it because the next scriptures we're going to cover is about 1055. We're going to go about 20 more minutes. The next scriptures we're going to cover is the word of God. But I wanted to make sure that you understand and you know what propitiation is. And I pray that through this teaching, you will never forget the word propitiation because I've said it like 15 times already. Propitiation. Say it with me. Propitiation. There you go. Okay, let's get into the scripture. And before we go into Romans, I mean, into uh, the book of First John, chapter two, verse one and two, let's go and pick it up because I wanna I want to have a background of this and go in, into those scriptures. First John chapter one, verse six. It should be on the next slide. Next one. Sorry, I jumped ahead of you keep going there we go first john chapter 1 verse 6 are you there okay if we're there it says this if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth i want to key in on the word fellowship which is highlighted fellowship this word in the greek is koinonia meaning fellowship sharing in common communion a partnership so, John is saying if we say that we have a partnership, if we have communion, if we're walking with God, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Right? Walking in darkness refutes the claim that we have fellowship with God and demonstrates the lack of genuine salvation. You cannot be a Christian and continuously practice sinful habits. You cannot. You cannot, I'm telling you, I try. It'll make you the most miserable Christian there is. Because you realize how much grace, how much favor that God has for you, but you are just being disobedient. You cannot walk in darkness and claim to be a follower of Jesus. True fellowship with God is walking in the light and practicing biblical, biblical truth with others, right? The very the next slide says first john verse first uh, John one seven says this but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin in him in Jesus we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, in ephesians one seven first Peter one nineteen says, "But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, in revelations one five it says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of, of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins and by his blood, so we can see that Jesus." Had to be born a man. He had to be like you and I in order to have the perfect propitiation, sacrifice for you and I. He couldn't have just been a spirit because God the Father wouldn't be satisfied with that as a propitiation, right? He had to be human form. He had to be living like you and I. We all bleed. When we die, that blood ceased to be life. So we can see that the scriptures is telling us the blood of Christ is power. The blood of Jesus is what saves you and I. Somebody had to shed their blood. It couldn't be you. It couldn't be anyone from the past because they were all sinful people. Not King David. Not Billy Graham. Not Pastor Chuck Smith. Not Sproul's, not any theologian, not anybody that has wrote many, many books. Their blood wasn't the satisfaction. Only Jesus' blood was able to satisfy the wrath of God. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. His blood cleanses us from all sin, guys. The blood is power. The blood is the power that saves us from from going to hell, from sin. The blood saves us, it cleanses us, it empowers us to live this life. Amen? Amen? amen. Okay, 1 John 1.7. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. So we see how important the blood is. In 1 John 1 uh, 8 it says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us right. remember romans three twenty three says for all have sinned and fall short of god's glory all of us all of us need a savior if someone never admits to being a sinner that's the first thing you must realize that you are a sinner in order to come to salvation because if you never realize you're a sinner you're never going to need a savior right if someone never admits to being a sinner, salvation will never happen. False teachers during this time walk in darkness and went so far as to deny the existence of sin nature in their lives because they only believe, oh, we're good because we have the spirit in us so we can live whatever we want to do. They were deceived about being sinless as they led others to follow. Do not be deceived, church. Walking, walking in darkness refutes the claim that we have fellowship with God. And demonstrates the lack of genuine salvation. But true fellowship is walking with, you know, as God, God is walking in the light and practicing biblical truth towards one another. 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Psalm chapter 32.5, David writes, I acknowledge my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity up. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, whoever conceals, listen. sometimes you and I do that. We conceal from God our sin, right? It's foolish of us to do that because he knows everything. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's in your heart. He knows the struggles that you're going through. He knows the temptations that you face. He knows the vices in your life. He does. Our part is agreeing with God. Yes, God. Yes, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. We agree with God. We confess. We agree with God that we are sinners and we are lost. As believers, we need to confess to God, right? Confess your struggles with God. Confess your, your relationship troubles. I confess them all the time. Me and my wife get into a spat. Uh, yeah, yeah. You, we try to we try to make ourselves look better, but God says just confess. Not only confessing to God, confess the the one you've hurt. And she could testify that I need to do a lot better job than that. Hey, I'm a sinner. I need confession. I need to go to Jesus. I need to call on Jesus for that. You also need it too. You're as messed up as I am. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Confession brings forgiveness. Confession brings cleansing, according to John one nine. Confessing our sins, he forgives us, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you're here this morning, I don't care what sin you've done. Look in the Bible. See what King David did. Have you committed greater sin than he has? Look at Solomon. Talk about a womanizer. And that's some, you know, sexual immorality. Throw all the sexual sins in there. The Bible talks about it because people have problems with it. As a man, I know exactly what that is. You as a person know exactly that, what that is. I'm not going to say, you know, you have your vices, I have my vices. We need to go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. 1 John 1 verse 10 says, If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. God has said that all people are sinners. We realize that, right? We're all sinners. Agreeing with God that we are sinners brings us to realize we need Jesus to save us. Not only save us from sin and hell, but we need Jesus to save us as believers from walking in sin. Walking in darkness. Because that is not us no longer. Sin has no control over you, no power. And I'm going to cover that here in just a little bit. Romans 3, uh, 10 and 12 says, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No, no one understands. No one seeks God. All have sinned. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Does that make you feel good? Wow, that's a powerful statement. Somebody who's uh, righteous and holy, who, you know, think about the the most sinless person in your life right now. Now, as they read this scripture, they are convicted just like you and I there's none good no matter how good uh we make ourselves look like there is no one good no not one of us goes and looks for god god gave and found you he saved you there's none righteous first john 2 1 okay we can go we can move on with the scriptures i know i put up a few slides first john 2 1 perfect timing now we are getting down to the close of this. First John 2, 1, which is what we're covering this morning with the background of everything. It says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So John, you know, John is probably in his 80s, probably 90, and he's using this term, my little children. If you read the Gospels, you can see Jesus using this term, my little children. Remember when the disciples mess up, he says, my little children, come here to me. And he gives them a story or a parable. And John took this from Jesus. And now he's like 80 years old. Now everybody is a little children compared to John. You know, John is like the OG of the apostle. He's the last one left. And everyone is, you know. It's like people, when t- people talk about growing up with people. Oh, he's an OG. He's an OG. And then all the new, new people are coming up. Yeah, you're a young one. It's just like that. Oh, my little young guys. You know nothing. Let me tell you about something. <laughs> it's a term of endearment. And John is writing this to his disciples, to the people he's trying to teach. He says, my little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. That you may not sin. Are you hearing that this morning, church? Acknowledge and confess sin. Christians are not powerless against sin. We are not powerless against sin. We get sin and Satan way too much power in our lives. You are not powerless to sin. Grace and confession does not give us a license to sin. Just because you're saved and Jesus' grace is unending, I always like to tell this illustration. So I I grew up around the water in the Pacific Ocean. You have this uh, tiny tiny island called American Samoa, and then all around it's just a big old ocean. Jesus' grace is like that big ocean. We're just this tiny little island, and let's not take advantage. Of the ocean of grace for us to go swimming in gutter, right? Let's not take God's grace and give us the okay to be sinful. If you are doing that this morning, stop. I'm not telling you to stop. The word of God is telling you to stop. It's telling me to stop. Stop. If you are practicing sinful things in your life, and you know what that is. I know what that is for me. Stop. Stop. That's not walking in light. That's walking in darkness. Sin is conquered through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you get a chance, I'm not going to go over this chapter, but read Romans 6. It talks about sin and the power of sin and the power that you have in you, the Holy Spirit, to overcome sin. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When we are in the word of God, when we are saturated by the word of God, when you are, let me put it like this, when you are in love with God, right? When you are in love with Jesus, you don't want to do things that hurt him. We want to walk in light, not darkness. I'm in love with my wife, and I don't want to do things to hurt her. I don't want to go out there and start womanizing, cheating on her, going on the internet, looking at things I'm not supposed to be looking at, talking to women at, sh- at work, or having relationships other than within my marriage and my wife, because I love her. This ring here, I used to never wear a ring because it really bothers me. But, and it's been recently, I just started wearing it, because uh, it honors her. I don't need this ring right here to be reminded how much I love her, right? It's just the same thing with Jesus. We don't need nothing else to be reminded how much he loves us. But we get in this word. We pray. We come to church, fellowship, koinonia. Koinonia. we love on another you notice the illustration all these actions it's already in your heart the outcome is what is being seen this is the outcome faithfulness the sp- the fruit of the spirit is love i always have to do this in my fingers to make sure i get it all right the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness Gentleness. Here's what we miss at, believer self control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you walking in love? Sometimes it's hard to walk in love, but the Holy Spirit is empowering us to walk in love. Are you at peace this morning? Are there circumstances in your life that happened this week that threw your peace off? You're here this morning being reminded how much God loves you. Now the peace comes back on. It never left you, but you just left it here, right? The peace never left you. You just left it. Because of what? Because of the circumstances in your life. But when you go back and pick it up, it was always there. It's always here but you left it. Now I'm going to go back and pick it up. Peace. When you're struggling with something in your walks, I've left self-control here. It's always here, but I've left it. Now I got to now I go back. Self-control. Self-control for what? Whatever situation you have no control over. Specifically, sin. Self-control. God's Holy Spirit walks with us. We're about done. And I mean it. Sometimes I hear about done is like 20 minutes later my little children i'm writing these things to you that you may not sin there's no power of sin that has over you the only the power that you we also have an advocate this word is parakletos 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 in greek it's an advocate a comforter a helper one called alongside remember jesus says you know what Jesus, while he was here on the earth, he said, I'm going to leave so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the advocate could come alongside you. And he's going to ministry. He's going to do ministry much more than I will ever do here on earth because he is with you. He walks with you. He is the advocate that Jesus left with us. Now we see here that Jesus is our advocate by his blood. He is in heaven seated right next to the father interceding for you and I. Satan accuses and prosecutes believers of sin. You and I understand that. Jesus is our defense attorney and advocate. If you get a chance to look at Hebrews chapter 4, 14, 16, I'm just going to say this. Yes, we win. You and I as believers, because of Jesus, we win. Okay, First John 2:2 two, 2, it says this. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. Do you understand what propitiation is? Yeah. He's the perfect sacrifice, guys. Yeah. Your works. You being a good person. All those things are good, but Jesus is the only propitiation. That's what the world needs. The world is broken in need of propitiation. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross satisfied the demands of God's holiness for the punishment of sin. Jesus died for the world, not the few. There's a view out there that Jesus only died for the elect, only died for the few. No, 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 no. Jesus died for the whole world. It's you who have to make that decision to open it up, his free gift of salvation. So the question here I have is, what is God speaking to you about this? What has God been speaking to you about this lesson this morning? For those who are lost and don't know Jesus, let me give you the gospel. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, Paul writes, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. The perfect propitiation. Isn't that good news? That's good news for us who are believers because we can confess and go to him without feeling any guilt or shame. He knows it. He became a man, a human being like us because every temptation that you've ever experienced, every hardship, everything that you go through through life he's experienced those things and the word of god tells us that in hebrews chapter 4 14 and 16 he's experienced it so our last slide as we close this out it says it jesus says remember our what was the title The what jesus is calling right And here is what Jesus said, I'm here waiting. I'm calling you, and now I'm just here waiting. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My question to you this morning is Have you called on Jesus to save you from sin? Have you called on him to save you from sin? Sin is missing the mark, falling short, we're all sinful people, we need a savior. For us as believers, church, listen to this. Have you called on Jesus to cleanse you from sin? Here's my challenge. Are you walking in the light? Am I walking in the light? We desperately need him, church. Desperately need him. The minute, the moment you and I think that we are holy enough, that we are righteous enough, That we are okay is the minute Satan wants to come in and mess you up. Jesus can cleanse you from any sin that you've dealt with this week. There's no shame, no guilt. He doesn't lay all the baggage that we lay on people. He says, come. I'm here waiting. God is good, amen? Amen. Do we all understand propitiation? Make sure when you see Pastor Ben, go up to him and say, man, I thank God that Jesus is our propitiation. (laughs) Just just tell him that, right? I thank God that he is the propitiation for my sin. And he'll go, what? (laughs) What are you talking about, man? Uh, I'm going to pray and is going to close us out. Talia did a great job up here by herself, didn't she? I always challenge her, so every time she does awesome, I say, good job, Talia. It's hard to be up here. Well, anyways, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll close this out with a song. God, Father, we thank you so much that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He is the propitiation for this world. The one true, perfect sacrifice that we can come to. I pray for those who are listening to this prayer, God, if they haven't made the decision to follow you, God, to make Jesus the propitiation for their life, I pray that this is the day that they would do that. And for us as believers, that we go to our propitiation, our Jesus, And we confess sin. We confess our struggles, our hurts, our pains. And Father, you are faithful and just to forgive us. And I am so blown away by that. Thank you that we get to be, that we get to walk in the light. Because you are the light. Thank you that we understand what darkness is. Thank you that you are at work. That you don't just save us, you cleanse us. And you prepare us for what perfect plans you have for each and every one of us here, Lord. We're so grateful. I'm so blown away about how much you love us. And I pray, God, that you'll be with us this week, that you give us knowledge and wisdom to live our testimony that others may see and give us an opportunity to talk about your son, Jesus, and invite them to your kingdom before us order our steps in jesus holy name we pray these things amen we hope you enjoyed today's message we'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church you can find our contact information location and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church we'll see you next time on the podcast until then may god bless you and your family